You're listening to The Johnson and Crew Show. Hey, welcome to the show, guys. This is uh, our very first episode, and my name is Dave Cruz. And I am Jonathan Johnson. And uh, we're glad to have you here. And what are we talking about on today's show? Well, on our debut episode, which is pretty exciting, we've been talking about doing this for a long time. Uh, I've wanted to do something like this, this kind of format uh, for a while. And Dave and I have wanted to do something together for ages. Obviously, we're both in the the music community and uh, we talk a lot about music and I'm a musician, Dave's a musician. So that's a big part of our life. But uh, we have lots of other interests uh, other than just music, which we will be uh, talking about music on the show. Hey, Dave, sometimes. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that subject some. And, uh, you know, uh, things having to do with music, uh, just things having to do with life, uh, about things that we're interested in, everything from archaeology to, uh, to theology to uh, aerospace and science and all this different stuff. But it's all going to have to do, uh, it's all coming from our worldview, our point of view. And uh, so Dave and I are just going to have basically a discussion. Uh, at times, we're going to probably include maybe some some experts or pseudo experts or or people that are also uh, interested in the topics that we'll be discussing and stuff. But today, we're going to be talking about uh, something that's near and dear to both of us because we've both had encounters and experiences with with this sort of thing. Uh, we're talking about uh, near death experiences. Um, otherwise known as NDEs. Uh, you yep. can look them up on Google, uh, any of the search engines, and you're going to find millions of articles and, and things having to do with it. But it's something that has uh, impacted both of our lives personally. Um, Dave has a, a, a personal testimony and story of it. Uh, I do as well. Uh, it wasn't me that had the NDE, but it was uh, family members and close friends. So anyway, Dave, anything you would like to say about it, about the, the show? Um, it, not necessarily about today's topic, because we're going to get it in, into that in a second. But, uh, you know, just overall, um, you know, what your heart has been and kind of your desire to do something like this and how this came about. Yeah, uh, you know, Jonathan and I, we've known each other for a few years now and uh, have gotten to become very close friends. We're like family. And you know, through our conversations, you know, like Jonathan said, we found that we shared a lot of common interests. And, you know, we, we both are, uh, have a love and passion for science, uh, for history. Absolutely, yeah. And so it was like, you know what, let's just do a show where we can uh, talk about these things mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, give our uh, perspectives on these different topics. And, uh, you know, just go from there. And, you know, uh, if, if anything that we talk about on the show and, and, and Jonathan and I will, of course, uh, on Facebook, you know, we'll post letting everybody know what upcoming topics will be. And if anybody has, uh, you know, any stories to tell or ideas, or any, uh, yeah, feed us ideas. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hit either me up or Jonathan up on Facebook and, we will have a Facebook page soon for the show and you guys will be able to hit us up on there as well. And we'll provide that information, you know, as soon as we have it. Yeah, man, it's, uh, 
the show idea, you know, there, there are a lot of topics, you know, obviously both Dave and I are, are Christians. And uh, so our, our worldview is, is totally, uh, it's not just, that's not just our worldview. It's, it's literally our life. It's our lifestyle, but there's so much dogma um, and, and, and barriers kind of put up to certain ideas. Um, it seems like, you know, they're what we kind of, like to, to term as uh, the pet uh, theological points, you know, the, the ones that everybody wants to talk about. It's, you know, love, grace, uh, sin, repentance, and all these things, and they're all vital, you know, parts of the Christian faith and stuff. But in our Christian worldview, you know, we see some things somewhat outside the box in, in the sense of there are lots of biblical stories uh, that aren't often preached preached about or, or taught, you know, from the pulpits or, or uh, different points of view, um, things that happen in the Bible uh, that aren't really looked into. Uh, honestly, sometimes these, these, you know, things are looked at almost more from a scientific point of view, you know, things in the book of Genesis and stuff like that. You'll see them on, you know, crazy broadcasts on like ancient aliens and, you know, um, things having to do with that, that sort of thing. And it, to me, it just seems like a, um, a robbery to the depth and the wealth, you know, that's in the scripture. And some of these things are kind of looked at in a taboo sort of way. They're not talked about. Uh, and it's, it's really sad because I think in some, some ways uh, the, the uh, atheistic world has dominated the narrative when it comes to certain parts of the scripture, you know, cause they try to bend it towards, you know, the paranormal or towards the occult or towards, uh, you know, uh, you know, the alien argument or what's whatever it may be. So what we're going to tend to do on this show is literally one of the things that we thought about calling the show was like outside the lines, excuse me, where, you know, uh, there's so many things that we try to color inside the lines and try to stay inside the safe areas, but we don't, get into some deep subjects that really can enhance and expand our understanding of the Bible and theology and life. So really yeah. that that's going to be kind of the point of view that we come from, you know, with this, with this show, we're going to be discussing topics that are interesting to us that hopefully will, will, uh, you know, share our worldview, which is obviously a God centered worldview, but also discuss some, some, some subjects that scientifically, are very interesting that, uh, you know, just their topics and stuff that can just be really, really fun and really interesting. And it, in a way, you know, when Dave and I talk about this stuff, it, it enhances our faith. It increases our faith because it lets us see things that are, are so complicated and so complex, you know, that God is such a great creator and designer that he's done it in such a fantastic way. But, you know, some of these things could be considered to be controversial or taboo in some sort of ways, um, you know, cause people are scared to touch them because they are a yeah. little bit fringe in some ways. So, but we're going to, we're going to dig into them. We're going to talk about the what ifs and we're going to, we're going to, uh, you know, talk about some, some ideas and some things that are going to just going to be fun co topics of oh, yeah. conversation. Good, uh, good water cooler type of stuff. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, today's topic is, you know, like, like John said, is uh, near-death experiences, also known as NDEs. And this is basically, uh, for anyone who may not know, 
uh, usually what happens in these situations is, uh, you know, someone basically for, you know, to summarize it up, they are clinically proven dead um, and their soul or spirit actually leaves their body. And there are, like Jonathan said, millions of stories out there. People have, uh, uh, when this happens, they've, they've come into contact with long deceased family members. Uh, people have gone and seen what could be described as heaven. Some people have gone and seen what could be described as hell. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it, nobody, you know, scientifically, okay, uh, from that point of view, nobody really knows exactly what happens when a person dies. I've heard stories that supposedly people think, oh, it's just uh, residual brain activity, mm-hmm. you know, after you're dead. And there's no way to prove or disprove that. Uh, but I tend to be on the side of, I believe that the person's soul has left their body and they are experiencing uh, the realm, either the spiritual realm or that realm that's kind of between this world and the spiritual realm. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Um, I, I saw a statistic, uh, you know, before we, we started the show. I was looking it up and they say as many as one in 10 people in the United States have had an NDE experience. One in 10, that's 10% of the society mm-hmm. have claimed to have had some form of near-death experience. That's yes. a lot of people, man. That's a lot of people. And to chalk that up as just residual energy or the brain malfunctioning as, you know, at the time of death or lef- lack of oxygen or whatever, I'm not buying that. You know, I, I'm tend, I tend to scientifically even, you know, you're supposed to look for evidence, right? And mm-hmm. the evidence would suggest that there are tens of millions of people with eyewitness testimonies of seeing something, of experiencing something, and something they all tend to claim to be more real than what they feel here, you know, on, on this side. So basically they're saying that things were more vivid and and there are commonalities too. Um, It seems like there, there are common stories that are told whether, you know, no matter what the person's view is, the stories all describe, not all of them, but the majority of them uh, describe ultra vivid colors. Just, you know, the colors that we have here in our color spectrum uh, but colors that they've never seen here, as many yeah. as hundreds of colors that they've never seen with their physical eyes and an ultra HD experience. That's like super, super vivid, you know, and uh, that's one of the things, uh, one of the other things that's often talked about is uh, the sense that there's no sense of time yeah. that literally that, the, it's one of the main main things it's first notice is like there was no sensation of time they didn't know whether they were there for weeks months days or minutes it, it could have been any of the above you know because there was just no sensation of time whatsoever so mm-hmm. there's there's many many of these these uh common threads that seem to uh in a way scientifically back up these eyewitness testimonies of seeing something 
So anyway, I, I mentioned before that Dave had a, uh, a personal testimony, a personal uh, experience of this. Um, I want to kind of put you on the spot, Dave, because I know that the circumstances of this weren't at the greatest point in your life. Um, no. But it is a true near-death experience. Yes. Um, <clears throat> my experience, uh, you know, it, it's there's not like, you know, a whole lot of detail, but basically uh, I was going through a very hard time in my life when I was 16 years old. Um, and I had, because of it, I had attempted suicide. I had overdosed on some medication. And uh, when I got to the hospital, I had slipped into a coma and I had died. I was dead for a couple of minutes. And I remember it was all just pitch black all the way around me. But it was like this, all I could see was like, I could see the hands of the doctors and nurses and I saw myself on the uh, gurney and I even saw, you know, I saw myself in the, um, uh, the hospital gown and I felt first I, I, I look, I like, I'm looking down at myself while I'm laying down and I see that. And, uh, I have a tube going in my nose for oxygen and I remember I could feel the air going into my nose. Wow. Then the next, then the next thing I remember is I'm seeing myself up above. I'm up above my body and I'm looking down at myself. And it was so, so like, you physically, you physically felt and saw yourself leave your body, and mm-hmm. you're hovering and you're seeing yourself from above. Yes. Jeez. And when I first saw, when I first saw and looked down at myself. It was like, I'd say it's almost like if I was a good 40 to 50 feet above myself. Wow. And yeah. And you weren't even close. Yeah. And it it was, it was like, just went from looking down and seeing my, my body, you know, like when you're laying down and looking down at your feet or something, it was like that. And like I said, I felt the, uh, I saw the oxygen tube in my nose and I could feel the air going in. Wow, man. And uh, so it was all pitched. Did you stop mm-hmm. feeling the connection to your body when you saw yourself from above? Or were you yes. still? So I, I, when you I felt, felt nothing. So you no longer felt the oxygen or any of that when nah. that happened? Nope. Trippy, man. Yeah, I didn't feel anything at all. Um, and the, the only thing I remember even hearing was I remember hearing the doctor say, SH, we lost him. Wow. I, I remember, uh, I remember. <laughs> so the last thing that. I hear is them yellow profanity and like, yeah. 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 And uh, like I said, it was pitch dark around me. And I happened to kind of like, I remember it was like I was looking up like this and just a really like intensely bright light shining down on me. And I started. Another one of get... those commonalities that you exactly. hear about in almost everybody's testimony. Exactly. And, uh, the light was getting a little closer, slowly, slowly getting closer. And then everything just went black. And next thing I knew I was waking up in the hospital. Wow. Out of, uh, I came out of my coma. Okay. That's, so, that's it. That's all I remember. So 
you said you were looking around you. What was mm -hmm. it you saw around you? Like when it's, you said you looked up and you saw the, the light, but what, what was it that was around you in that place when you, there was nothing literally, I mean, blacker than this shirt, just nothing just black blackness, dark, dark blackness. I didn't wow. see no people. I didn't see no shapes, no colors, just pitch black darkness. So you went from a place of being in the hospital, sensing the oxygen, being able to hear sense around you to leaving your body, hovering over it and, and looking down and seeing yourself there, but no longer feeling or anything that was going on in your body to mm -hmm. being in a place of pitch blackness surrounded by pitch blackness with a light coming down from above you. Yes. Wow, man. Wow. Yeah. And I, I tried to, you know, ever since I've really tried to make sense of it. At first, I thought maybe the blackness around me represented, you know, like, because at that time, this is many, many, many years before I came to know Christ. I mean, I was, I was 16 years old. I didn't come to Christ until 12 years later. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I attributed that darkness as representing maybe like, like hell, like maybe, maybe I'd done some bad things and, and I deserved to go to hell. But then it's like, I think about that bright light and it's like, maybe that was in a sense, it was like God's way of saying, I'm giving you another chance. Don't mess up. Oh, absolutely. Bro. <laughs> you know, that absolutely. kind of thing. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, you know, like you said, you were in a, you were in a bad state, you know, um, you know, you were attempting to, to take your own life in that situation. And, you know, we, we talked about it earlier that, that, you know, why you didn't see more, why you didn't have the heaven experience or, or whatever, but, you know, in the, in the place that you were at, not knowing Christ and, and everything, your trip could have been bad. <laughs> it yeah. could have been a bad oh, yeah. trip. Oh, you yeah. know? So I mean, in a way, oh, you know, you were probably I, I, being shown enough Mm -hmm. uh, to know that there's more. Oh yeah. Right. But not it, so much that you would have been, you know, suffered terror for the rest of your life of seeing something terrible that could have potentially happened in that. Oh yeah. I mean, at that age and have, having, you know, had the kind of life I had and going through all the things that I had gone through. I mean, if, if I had, you know, <laughs> ended up in hell. I mean, oh my gosh, I, I just, I can't even imagine, you know? Um, uh, nobody wants to it, imagine that, man. No, no, no. And, you know, it's interesting too, because uh, I would have to say after that event, there were a few different times throughout my life where looking back now, I know that God was reaching out to me, mm -hmm. whether it was like a, through a certain situation or a person or something, I would have somebody just, just, I didn't even know who they were come up and try to talk to me, you know, about the Lord. And my old thing was eh, get away from me. You know, I don't care. I'm not interested in that stuff, you know, yeah. just go away, that kind of thing. But, you know, and I didn't realize any of that at the time, of course, but you know, now that now that I've come to the Lord, you know, and I've, well, now, I've now that you're, them. now that you're perfect, you understand that. Well, I'm not perfect. No, I'm well, now that you're, it, man. I, now that you're almost perfect and, okay, and quite good that. looking, quite good looking, you know, you know, we have to thank God that you were saved that day from. Yeah. yeah because oh, yeah. the world is such a better place 
with you in it. Oh, thank and you. And I truly mean that, bro. I do. <laughs> thank you. No, man, I, it's it's astounding, yeah. man. I mean, I, it, I'm making light of it because it, it's getting dark and heavy there for a second. Yeah, but, no, it, it, yeah, you I know, mean, it it's, was. It's it's crazy too because, um, uh, honestly, I would not be here today at all, at all. If and, and it's scary when I think about all of it too because. Um, I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't called my best friend at the time, who was now my brother-in-law, Kirk, you've heard about Kirk, mm-hmm. um, my wife's sister's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called him and told him what I had done. And he told, he immediately told his stepmother and they came over to the house. They called the paramedics, everything. So, you know, if it wasn't for me calling him and if it wasn't for him taking action, I would not be talking to you right now. Wow, man. And what the scary thing is that the first person who would have come home that day would have been my sister from school. And if she had found me, oh my God, I I can't even. Yeah, that would have been a mess. That would have been a mess. Well, thank God, man. Thank God that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's, that's probably a story many people don't know about you. They don't know that you've had a near-death experience like that, mm-hmm. that you literally left your body at one point. So that's, that's astounding. I mean, uh, and it's so weird too, because even to this day, this happened in 1990. So we're talking over 30 years ago. I remember it like it just happened today. Yeah. And that's yeah. something, man, you often hear people who've had these experiences say they are so much more vivid. It's not like a dream. No, you know, it's no, not like you dream. Not a dream. It. It's not, it's not vague or grainy whatsoever. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, I've actually heard it said by many people there, there are probably millions of videos and reports of people that have had these kind of experiences and stuff. But one of the things that, that you hear over and over again is that seems like reality. And, and this seems like the dream. It's almost like, like coming back here, everything almost seemed like muddy and colors weren't vivid and everything just seemed dirty and, and washed out compared to what they experienced on the other side. Well, which well, if is, this is a, if this is a dream, wake me up. it's it's wild man i mean you hear this you know they come back and say no that seemed so vivid and and almost every time it's you know unless there are people that have had bad trips on the other side and and have had had you know visions of hell and and uh torment and these things and that's that's terrible but the people that didn't have that experience that actually saw heaven um they didn't want to come back you know, they, they did not want to come back. Oftentimes they begged not to have to leave when they were told they had to come back. And yeah. usually in a lot of those situations, they were sent back. They were told, you know, it's not your time. You yeah. have to go back. You've got, you have work left to do. You, you know, you have a life left I'm, to live. I'm sure you agree with me. If it, you know, I, I'm sure you agree with me. If, if we even just for a split second had the chance to go and see heaven, we would not want to come back. Oh, no, man. Oh, no. no. I mean, uh-huh. the, the Bible says that, you know, that I hasn't seen, we it hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the things that, that God's prepared for those who love him, mm-hmm. you know, and the thing is, is our, our physical eyes haven't seen it, but some people have left their body. And the Bible is very clear to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
Okay. So there's no in between place. There's no, you know, purgatory or whatever, you know, if you leave your body, you're going to face God, whether, you know, uh, it's a moment of, of, of judgment or it's a moment of coming into, you know, eternal joy and peace. Um, but you know, to be absent from the body, you're, you're, you're somewhere, you know? So the moment you leave your body, you you've gone somewhere, you know, and that's where you still exist. You still exist, man. And there, Mm -hmm. there was a study a few years ago where somebody actually was weighing a person at the moment of their death. Do you remember? I don't know if you ever heard about this, but they actually did did, a, a clinical study. It was like, it's some like Ivy league university, and the person they had them like on a scale and they were weighing them and they literally lost like I'm wanting to say like I don't remember exactly what the number was, but it was a noticeable amount that there was mass lost from them at the moment of death. Wow. That something left them that actually had a bit of weight to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. I don't know. That's one of those <laughs> what ifs, you know, things that make you think. But yeah. You know, I've, I have been around enough people when they passed to know that that person is no longer there. I mean, there is no. a change, the change of atmosphere, change of feeling, everything changes. It, it becomes extremely apparent that that person is no longer there. You know, they've left this earth suit and gone on, you know, but so that leads me to some of my testimonies of, of what I know of it, you know, from a personal point of view. The first time I ever had any kind of knowledge of a near-death experience was my stepdad. Mm -hmm. His name was John. And oh, how old was I? 10? I think I was 10, 11 years old at the time. And he had a massive heart attack. Okay. So when they were doing the the catheter on him, so they were going to pump, you know, they put the catheter, I guess, in the thigh the artery in the thigh and run it up, you know, into your heart. And then they squirt ink into you so they could see where your blockages and all that are. Mm-hmm. Well, he was on the table and they were doing the, the catheterization of him. And this is, this is the story he recounted to me. He said, I was laying there on the table and there was a monitor up where you could see, you know, what they were doing, you know, where they were, it was my heart and everything. And, and uh, the moment they squirted that dye, you saw the die go in and start going, you know, and the moment that die hit his heart, he coded, boom, heart stopped. He said he watched his heart stop beating and he heard monitor alarms going off. And he thought, well, that's strange, <laughs> you know, like, cause he was watching the whole thing. So he was still conscious in that moment and he saw wow. his heart stop. Well, he said the next thing he know, knew, whoosh, it, everything just went black and he's just in blackness. And wow. he said, I, I'm trying to remember because I've heard so many of these stories. This part isn't super clear to me, whether he said that he saw his body from above. And I think he may have seen his body, but he said he felt the sensation of being sucked up out of the place, like, like a vacuum, like <laughs> this being pulled right up out of, out of the building through the roof and out and, <laughs> And he said, then he's like in this vortex. And he said, the next thing he knew, he, he comes out in this place. And this is where, you know, the story got real vivid for me because I never, I never forgot this. Mm -hmm. He said, I was in this place that was so beautiful. 
that words can't describe it. He said, and he said, and he teared up. He's, you know, he was a Marine Corps veteran, you know, big, strong Marine Corps guy, you know, man, tough. man type of guy. Didn't show, guy. didn't show a lot of emotion or anything, but he teared up on this one. He said, what I saw, there's no description for, but I'm going to do the best I can to put it into words. He said the level of beauty was so far beyond anything that that he's ever seen on earth. And he described how vivid the colors were, the sounds, the smells. He said everything was intensified. So, you know, he said everything here seemed dull and colorless and tasteless. And, you know, he said, it's like your senses never worked right. And then you get there and then everything is just firing, you know, at once. And he said that, uh, he said, everything was so extremely beautiful. And he said, the first sensation that he had was that there was no time. He said that was the thing that shocked him. He was like, there was no sensation of time whatsoever. And he said that was that was the thing that kind of took him back for a second. And he said, then the second thing was the colors. He said that the there were colors there that don't exist here on earth. He said, I can't tell you how many that I saw, but there were so many different variances of color, uh, ones that they're not here. They're just, there's no ability to see them here. Mm -hmm. And he said, and there's the colors that are here. And he said, but there's so much more vivid and intense there. And he talked about how everything was perfect. Uh, you know, every, he said where he was at, he was on a path and he said, it wasn't a paved path, but it was perfect. Like it was paved, you know? So it's like being on like perfect concrete. He said, but it, felt like it might've been some kind of sand, but it was perfect mm. and it was perfectly flat and smooth. And there were no imperfections in it. There were no pebbles or rocks or, or anything on it. It was just perfectly just silky smooth. And yet it wasn't like a poured concrete slab or anything like that. It was, it was, he said it was like a sand or something. And he said, and it went off into the distance and he said, and there were, there was grass and there were flowers. And he said the, the flowers were all these colors that he'd never seen before. And they were perfect. And every, every blade of grass was perfect. And every leaf on the trees were perfect. And he said, everything seemed like it was emanating light. He said like, you know, all of the plants and the, the surroundings and everything seemed like it was glowing. Like it was, it was emanating its own light. And he said, you know, and the place was lit up and it was sunny, but there was no sun. And he, he talked about the trees being perfect and you didn't see a dead leaf on the ground anywhere. Nothing like that. Everything was just perfect. Wow. And alive. Everything was living. There was no, nothing dead there. And he said, uh, so he was walking the path and he realized that there was someone next to him. He said, but I could not turn to look and see who it was, but they were glowing and they had me by the arm and was guiding me and they didn't speak, but it was like they were communicating through this. This is another commonality of, of what a lot of people experience that they communicate with people there, but they don't even have to talk to each other. It's like, they know there's like a knowing hmm. like a telepathic level communication, you know, that words weren't even needing to be uttered, you know, to be able to understand. Wow. He said, but, what he felt from the person that was next to him, though he couldn't turn to see them, he felt 
the greatest love that he'd ever experienced in his life. It was just like, like love himself was standing next to him and just pouring love into him. He said love there was almost like a, it was like a substance that was washing in him and through him and all this. So, I mean, I'm doing a really terrible job of re-describing, you know. No, it's great, man. I mean, I'm listening to everything you're saying and it's almost like, like it's playing in my mind, like I'm watching a movie, you know? So yeah, yeah, very descriptive. And man, there are so many stories like this. I mean, so many that are almost, I don't want to say identical to this, but very, very similar, you know, each one kind of seems to be, uh, you know, personal to the person, but the commonalities that there's no death, you know, the plants are perfect and everything's emanating its own light and there's sound. And like, I've heard people say that, that the flowers sound like they're singing. There's like, there's literally like music, almost sound being generated by the plants and the flowers and the breeze and stuff as it moves, everything is creating melody. And I mean, it's just wild stuff, man. <laughs> but anyway, so he, he talked about this and he said that the person that was next to him was just pouring love and acceptance and, and, and hope and just, everything that you could possibly construe as good was just dumping into him from this person, though he could not turn his head to look and see who it was. He couldn't see the person. And he theorized after the fact that it was because he was coming back. He felt like it was God and that if he had seen him, he wouldn't have been able to come back. That Ah, was, that was his point of view. So anyway, he said the person was leading him down the path and he said, off in the distance, you could see that there was a city. And he said it was illuminated. It was glowing. It was just, you know, it was all on the horizon and it was glowing and illuminating. Uh, he said it looked amazing. He just couldn't wait to get there and see what was there. And he said that, you know, they're walking on this path. And um, he said the next thing he knows, boom, he's gone from that place. He said, I don't know whether I was there for two months, two seconds, or two minutes. He said, there was no time there. And it felt like I was there forever, but I was, you know, or that I, you know, I could only been there a moment. He said, it was really bizarre. He goes, it's hard to describe what it feels like to be in a place where there is no time. Yeah. You know, so he said, next thing he knows, he's back in his body, you know, um, you know, and everything comes with that, you know, sensations of pain and, and discomfort and all these things that kind of, and he didn't want to be back. He said, I did not want to come back. He said, I wasn't worried about family. I wasn't worried about anything back here. I, all I wanted to do is stay there in that place, feeling that love, feeling that, you know, that perfection, like everything was satisfied. Everything was, you know, so that was his his first near-death experience. He had two. Okay. Wow. At this point in time, he was not a believer. Okay. Um, now, knowing what I know now about the whole situation, I feel like the Lord was showing him what he would miss if he didn't, you know, surrender his life to Jesus. Mm-hmm. He, he showed him a tremendous amount of grace, love, acceptance, everything that the Lord offers us. He was pouring it out to him like that. 
but still ultimately we have to make our choice in the matter, you know, to surrender our lives, you know, to him. Um, That according to our worldview, that's what we believe. We believe that, that, that Jesus is the only way to the father, the only way to God. And that you have to make that choice, you know, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anybody. And even though he died to save the whole world, you know, I mean, I could put a million dollars in your bank account, but if you never access it, it's your loss. Right. Right. So it's kind of that sort of thing. Well, he kind of straightened up his act a bit, you know, started going to church, you know, doing the stuff that you're supposed to do. If you're a good Christian, you know what I mean? Yeah. You go to church you know, put money in the offering plate, all that stuff that doesn't make you saved, but makes you look like it. Right. So he starts doing that and does it for a few years. And he's actually even driving the church bus, picking up kids and taking them to church and all that. So he's driving the church bus. Well, he has another heart attack and has to have, you know, bypass surgery and whole deal. He codes again. This time, he said he felt like he dropped out of his body and like he weighed a million pounds, like just sucked out the other direction and just is dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And like I said before, this is a big man, big, solid, muscular, you know, six foot and something, you know, 250 pound man, former Marine, seen it all, done it all, all this stuff. Well, from what I understand at this point, even though he was putting up a good show, he was going through some personal struggles and, you know, in some deep compromise and, and stuff like that. So long story short, he gets pulled out of his body and he's dropping into a black hole where he saw nothing but black. And the way he described it was it was a blackness that it was not just black. It was black looks like daytime compared to what he saw. It was like mm-hmm. the absolute absence of light. Yeah. That's and what it I saw. Sucked up sound. It sucked up everything. You know, just, there was nothing. There was just nothingness, but he's falling and he could felt, felt the sense of falling. Well, this big, strong guy literally tells me the story and, and cuts out 90% of the story. He said, because what I saw was too terrifying to talk about. And he choked up. He choked up. He was scared to death. And he said, what I saw was too terrifying to talk about. But he said, I did see one thing. He said, I saw a church bus full of people that were on fire. He said, and they were screaming in agony and their eyes were burning out of their sockets and their flesh was melting off. And they were inside a church bus that was falling into that same abyss he was in. Whoa. Yeah. And uh, he said, boom, next thing he knows, he's back in his body again. That one woke him up. After that point, he surrendered his life to Christ, served the Lord for the rest of his life before he died of cancer. But uh, that turned his life around, really did. And uh, so that was his second near-death experience. Not quite as nice as the first one. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so those were those were the two uh, firsthand ones that, you know, I had heard directly from a family member mm-hmm. and stuff. So back to your story, um, I'm kind of glad and thankful for you that you didn't, didn't experience 
the continued falling into that blackness, you know, and what could have happened in that story. That would have been awful. Oh yeah. I mean, I, you know, and I, I, I've read stories, you know, and, and seen videos of people giving their testimonies of, you know, going to that place and man, and some of them, I couldn't even finish reading the story or watching the video because what they were describing I mean, like, uh, it creeped me out. It really freaked me Terrifying. out. Like, uh, you know, we had talked, there's there's that one guy, Bill Weiss, who wrote the book, uh, 23 mm-hmm. Minutes in Hell. Right. And I was reading his story. I couldn't finish reading his story. It was so scary. It really was. Because in, in, in his story, he went into detail about what the demons looked like, what they were doing to him, right. what he was seeing. And I mean, that's that's enough to make anybody lose their mind, man. Seriously. You know, there's, there's been some, uh, some charlatans in the mix. You know, there's been some people that have been caught kind of telling stories that aren't true or, you know, they tried to write books about, you know, near death experiences. And then later said that, you know, the stories were made up or whatever, you know, there's some of that, you know, but it's that way in any part of life there are people that are going to lie, cheat and steal to get ahead, you know, whatever. And they're going to have to answer for that themselves. But, but man, you cannot throw the baby out with the bathwater because a vast majority of people that have near death experiences are having legitimate experiences. Yes. The thing is, man, these kind of things are all over the Bible. Now I know that we're probably going to get some guff from people and people we're going to get some kickback from people. Oh, that stuff doesn't happen. And you know, that's just, you know, made up garbage or, you know, even from the Christian community, there's a lot of people that resist and stand against this stuff is, you know, supernatural, supernatural mumbo jumbo. And, you know, God doesn't take people to heaven and and send them back and stuff. But I I just want to, I want to read a little passage here that uh, the apostle Paul had to say about this issue. Now, Paul was, was stoned and left for dead multiple times. Right. Now, not not stoned. He would stones were thrown at him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the apostle Paul was a partaker. So, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I, I mean, when it says he know, was so, stoned so, and left for dead, it yeah, wasn't so, like us in our past. Yeah, where we yeah, were stoned was, and yeah, left for dead. No. Uh, <laughs> so the apostle Paul was stoned and left for dead on multiple occasions. Um, historically speaking, historians, you know, theological historians believe that it actually damaged his eyesight, you know, that he struggled with problems with his eyesight, even though the man was used to heal countless people, you know, and operated in the supernatural gifts of the spirit. uh, That one thing was not removed from him. And this passage of scripture talks about that. Now, most theologians would agree that the apostle Paul is talking about himself in the scripture because he starts talking about, I knew a man, right. That did this. Most believe that he was actually talking about himself. So I'm going to, I'm just going to read this for all the skeptics, skeptics that believe that God doesn't take people to heaven or people don't see heaven, that that's not a, uh, a uh, Christian encounter or experience that, that can happen. Um, It's biblical, and I can prove it right here. Uh, Paul said, I must go. It's uh, for anybody who wants to look this up themselves. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 
He said, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to the visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except in my weaknesses. Though if I should, should wish to boast, I would not, not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. Anyway, he goes on after that to start talking about how uh, he pleaded with the Lord multiple times to have this thorn in the flesh. This, this scripture goes on to talk about the, this thorn in the flesh was given to him because of his abundance of revelations. One of them being the fact that he had been caught up into the third heaven 14 years before and had seen things and heard things that he wasn't even allowed to speak at that point in time. I personally believe that the mystery that Paul preached about a lot, the mystery of Christ and, and these revelations that he got, I think much of that were things that he saw and heard in heaven that over a period of time, he was allowed to bring some of that stuff out in his writings. But that's this, you know, conjecture on my part, but you know, that is the apostle Paul who wrote two thirds in the new Testament literally saying that I knew a man um, and then he goes on talking about boasting and all this stuff, implying the fact that the man's him, but he's not going to boast about it. And, and most, you know, theological scholars would agree that Paul's talking about himself in that. So basically he's telling you that I've seen heaven. I've been there, yeah. whether I was in my body or in my spirit, I don't know. Uh, a lot of people have, have opinionized, opinionated whatever however you want to put that 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 this could have happened to paul during one of his stonings yeah that he you know could have been taken to heaven he could have actually died and, and been brought back uh you know because that guy went through a lot he literally suffered a lot in the flesh so you know don't you know don't post in the comments over and over again how god doesn't do that stuff and you know people don't see heaven you know, it's it's scriptural right there. One of the great apostles of the faith said that he had personally eyewitnessed heaven. And, you know, I I've heard people say, you know, uh, when they say things like that, they kind of back it up with, um, you know, everything we need to know is in the Bible. And well, yeah, everything we need to know is in there. It doesn't mean that God isn't going to show us things. It doesn't mean that we're not going to, uh, you know, uh, experience his glory in different ways. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that at all, you know, and it doesn't mean that we're not going to experience, you know, the other side of that. Um, you know, yeah, and I, I have a, a point of view about that. You know, if God was going to stop doing the supernatural, uh, he would stop expressing his own nature. Because God, mm -hmm. by his very nature, is supernatural. You know, we're, we were instructed to pray in the Lord's Prayer, uh, you know, to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, 
you know, sickness doesn't exist in heaven. Pain doesn't exist in heaven. You know, these, a lot of these things don't exist in heaven. So what, what is it we're praying for? We're praying for the realities of what heaven is and is about to manifest itself on the earth. What's the greatest manifestation of that? It's Jesus as Lord, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the Bible says that these signs shall follow those that believe. And it goes on to talk about supernatural, miraculous manifestations that would happen. That would be a following of people that believed. And honestly, man, if if God incarnate, Emmanuel himself, God with us, had the burden of proof of signs following so he came with a word and he said don't believe me for what i'm saying to you believe me for the work's sake so basically he's saying the works are testifying of the words that i'm speaking because my Mm -hmm. words are spirit and their life right so if you're speaking the word of god it should change physical realities in the sense of the word of god should bring salvation to hearts it should bring healing to minds it can bring healing to bodies, you know, yeah. and I've seen it. I've, I've seen and experienced too much in my lifetime to not believe in these things. And, and then you have the people like that stuff doesn't happen at my church or, you know, we don't believe that way. And I've never seen anything like that. Well, you know, my point of view on it is, is Jesus said, these signs shall follow those that believe. And maybe you haven't seen certain things because you haven't believed certain things because right. belief is the launching pad. You know, Jesus said, if you had the faith of, you know, mustard seed or whatever you could say to this mountain, you know, these types of things, it's like, you have to have a level of faith to come into a coordinated agreement with what God wants to do in that situation. We're believing that his kingdom comes into that situation. And one person for the kingdom of God to, to come to you for us personally, spiritually, that brings salvation, right? But it could also be restoration of your health. It could be, you know, uh, blessing your finances in some some senses. You know, other people, it could be, you know, something completely different. And I think there have been big time abuses of stuff. I mean, like people have have taken this stuff way out of context and the name it, claim it and the, you know, the give the get thing. You know, you give your money and God's going to make you rich. You know, that's bullcrap. No, God's already made you (laughs) rich. You know, he's already given you the entire kingdom has been given to you as a gift and righteousness has been imputed to you if you believe. So, you know, the Bible says that he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not that we would become righteous in him, that we would become the very righteousness of God in him. He became sin and we became righteousness and it had yeah. nothing to do with us. It was all his heavy lifting. It was all his finished work, you know, and all we have to do is produce the fruits of that righteousness, which are the fruits of the spirit, the good works that are supposed to follow. And if we don't have those things, that's evidence as to the fact that his spirit isn't working in our life. So just my little bunny trail on that, but it, it just irritates me when people go to war with these ideas. It's like, they're so offended at the fact that God would still be alive and still be active, but man, he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. So, Absolutely. 
you know, why is it that God would have done all these amazing, miraculous things all throughout history, all the way up through the early church, past the resurrection, you know, through the apostles and the early church members. And then all of a sudden after the dark ages, God's done doing everything miraculous because we've canonized 66 books of the Bible. You know, it's not, it's not the, the Trinity is not the father, the son, and the Holy Bible. It's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit. Yep. And the Spirit comes to do what? To bear witness to the truth. So he's speaking through that word still. So the word of God is what? It's living, right? It's living and active and powerful, sharper than a two-edged stone or sword. So if God's word is living, Anything alive is active, right? The, oh, yeah. the fastest way to find out if something's dead is if it, if it stops progressing, if it stops being active. That's a sign of death. And that's the thing. We were never supposed to stop doing the works. We were never supposed to stop having the, the burden of proof that God, when God's word shows up, it changes realities for everybody. You know, when you speak the word into a situation, when you preach the gospel, the Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But the mm -hmm. Bible also talked about end times people that would have a form of godliness, but deny the power of God. So I'm not going to get caught on that side of the line. I'm going to err right. on the side of the caution and believe the Bible for what it says and believe that God still speaking through that word, God is still living and active and, and raising the dead and healing the blind eyes and opening deaf ears and, you know, all that stuff, because I've seen it with my own eyes, you know? So, okay. Bunny trail over, uh, <laughs> micro sermon over. Sorry, that's a sore spot for me. And I know we're probably going to get hammered in the comments and all that, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all, you know, good. it's you know, like, uh, I, I'm not going to argue with people. I'm not into our vain arguments and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to do that. But, no. you know, if that's your point of view, that's great. You have a point of view and we're not always going to agree, but we're always going to agree to love each other. Exactly. And, you know, uh, I'm going to elaborate a little bit on what Jonathan just said is, you know, yes, uh, uh, opinions are very, very welcome here. Please, you know, comment below, uh, you know, give us your opinions. But trolls, trolls, just, just, just no. leave. Yeah, trolls just, just will don't be even shut bother. down very quickly. Trolls, yes. And it's absolutely. not that, you know, if you have a, a differing opinion, you're allowed to speak that. You're allowed to say, oh, yeah, you know absolutely. I don't really but, agree with this point or that point. But the right. moment you start getting hateful, start yep. attacking you know everybody's so easily offended nowadays and this you know this is probably going to be one of the heavier con you know uh content uh shows that we have because it's dealing with death you know and that's never an easy topic and it's dealing no. with 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 the soul and the eternal you know uh the eternal placement of that soul which you know these are heavy heavy things to talk about but man we're going to be light. We're going to be airy. We're going to have fun with this. Send us Absolutely. your ideas, you know, for show content. We're going to get into a lot of cool stuff. Um, but this one, man, this, this is kind of important, man, because this, this literally is a life or death topic. And, you know, a, another thing to bring up is how often do people really sit and think, I mean, really deeply think about their eternity, 
how often do people do that? You know, not often. And man, to be honest with you, our, our society has lost the fear of God. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And the Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. So the moment you start your path down the road to wisdom is the moment you realize you should be scared to death of God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. he, he is the one that is holding together the galaxies that go on for hundreds of millions of light years in any direction. He's holding mm -hmm. it together simply by the word of his power. Like he's holding it together. He's in all of it. You know, uh, he has the ability to save and destroy, you know, and, but his heart is to save his heart. You know, the Bible says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. All should come to salvation, but that's not going to be the fact of the matter. Not everybody's going to, going to make it which is, I'm sure, heartbreaking to a good father. No, oh, yeah. But he's also holy, and he's not going to put up a garbage. And, you know, you can't just make your own rules. He makes the rules. You know, he's the boss. We're not, right? So, yeah, you're not going to get any of that, uh, you know, super hyper grace mumbo jumbo from us. I am a full believer in the grace of God. I believe that Oh yeah. he's gracious and he's loving and he's he's awesome but he's also holy and you know there are corresponding actions you know uh, there is this thing repent because the kingdom of god's at hand right repent that means to turn turn away do a 180 you know if this is sin it's sin you know if if god's going north and you're going south go north right oh yeah yeah so absolutely you know that's the point of view you're going to get from us but you know, uh, we discussed, you know, the supernatural and all that. And I've, I've recounted this story quite a few times, you know, as a faith builder for people. And most of the time, um, I don't tell the whole story because I really try to not involve myself in the story other than as an eyewitness. Um, for reasons I hope will become obvious as I tell the story. The only reason I'm going to tell it in its fullness and actually involve myself in it this time uh, is because I'm going to play some audio of the testimony of the woman that experienced this. Um, and my name is mentioned in it. I don't like that because in something that is this holy and this beautiful and this awesome that God did, uh, I don't want anybody to misconstrue or misunderstand. And then actually it makes me a little emotional because this was not about me in any sort of way. This was completely about God. This was completely about Jesus. Uh, this was a work of the spirit of God uh, that literally I got caught up in a wave. You ever been in a wave on a beach that knocks you over? You know what I'm saying? It oh, grabs yeah. you and just kind of knocks you over. That was what this was. And the Bible talks about the gift of faith. One of the gifts is gift of faith, right? Um, I believe that at some points that God gives you a gift of faith that is so immovable that it's no longer your faith, it's his. It's literally you're, you're being carried by God's faith and nothing can convince you that what God's doing isn't going to happen. And that's right. what happened to me in this moment. 
Okay. So I just, like I said, I just want to put this out there. Uh, I w usually, when I say this, this story is about a person that, that saw heaven, uh, but they were also raised from the dead. And when I tell this story, I've told you this story before, and you probably heard me say, I saw God raise this woman from the dead. Yeah. And that the reason I say that is because I don't want people thinking it had anything to do with me. Right. Even and though the audio from this that you're going to be playing for, for everybody, I've never heard it before. Right, right. And I'm right. not going to play the whole audio because it's like 10 minutes long. The audio is extracted. Um, what happened uh, after she died and was raised from the dead, the paramedics showed up, took her to the hospital, obviously took her into the ER and you processed her there. About 45 minutes later, when she was stable, she asked them to let me and my wife come into the hospital room. And she asked me if I had a phone and asked me to record her testimony before she forgot any of it because she didn't want to forget anything that had just happened to her. So it was fresh. So I pulled out my phone and I recorded it. So it's raw. So I'm going to, I'm going to re recount this. Um, it's very vivid to me. So it'll be accurate to the circumstances and there were multiple witnesses in the room. So if there's ever a question of that, there were, there were three of us in the room. Okay. So the woman's uh, name is Linda Dixon and her and her husband, Don were great friends of ours, um, older couple. They both had, you know, some, some, some substantial uh, health issues, but they had become like some spiritual parents to us, especially particularly to my wife. Uh, Linda had become a spiritual mama to my wife, Amy. And hang on, man, I'll show you, I'll show you a picture of Linda just so you can kind of put it into perspective. This is uh, Linda and my wife on uh, my wife and I's wedding day. And uh, she was a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. She just absolutely loved the Lord. She loved Jesus. Um, Jesus was her whole life. Just one of the sweetest women you ever met in your life. She had, uh, she had diabetes and uh, some heart issues and, and stuff. She just had some health issues. And she was only in her, her late 50s, I think, uh, but it was aging her. Well, we, uh, like I said, she'd become a really close uh, spiritual mother to my wife. And she would do stuff like, you know, ask my wife, baby, I can't, she was legally blind. Like she couldn't, she couldn't see very well, saw shadows and, and all that. She's like, baby, I can't, I can't see my Bible. Can you read this for me? And she would tell her what scripture to read. And my wife would like read the whole chapter to her and, you know, not realizing that Linda was teaching her and she was having her read certain passages of scripture to get the word in her when she was, you know, young in her faith and all that. And, oh, and she was awesome. mentoring her by doing this. And she goes, what's that mean to you, baby? You know, like talk to her. About so she <laughs> was just as cool. sweet as she could be. Right. That's she, awesome. she really was like a mama and a mentor. And, mm -hmm. and if you know my wife's testimony, my mom did not have a mother, you know, uh, her mother, uh, her biological mother, you know, was just not, not 
the greatest person. We'll just leave it at that. But uh, so she had a lack of that in her life and the Lord gave her a mama in the spirit. Right. And this woman prayed for her, laid hands on her and prayed over and blessed her. And that's very sweet. Well, we'd been having Bible studies at our house on Thursday nights and they would come occasionally when their health would allow it. And uh, we'd had one that previous Thursday night that they weren't able to make it. And some awesome stuff had happened. The guy got his wrist healed. He had had, he was using a power drill, like a hammer drill, those real powerful drills. And it bound up and twisted his wrist all the way around and really damaged the ligaments and stuff in his wrist. And he had a majorly bad sprain. I mean, he couldn't move his fingers and was like throbbing and just really bad for like, like a week before that. And he showed up and we were watching a video that was showing testimonies of, these miraculous things that had happened on the mission field, you know, in Africa and India and different places. And while the guy was watching the video, the Lord healed his wrist. Nobody touched him. Nobody prayed over him. Nobody said anything. But by the time he was done watching the video, he had perfect dexterity movement, no pain whatsoever. And he was like, praise God, the Lord healed my wrist. So it was a, just an awesome thing that happened. Well, so we're at Don and Linda's, uh, this, you know, a few days later, um, we're sitting on their couch and she's sitting in her reclining chair. Don gets up from his recliner chair and goes to get her something to drink. So we're telling her what had happened, you know, and she's like, Oh, praise God. That's so awesome. Thank you, Lord. And she's just happy and smiling. And then right in the middle of this, all of a sudden she goes, ah! and keels over dead in her chair, bro. Whoa. Just died. Just died like all the colors gone and everything and we're sitting there like looking at her like what just happened and we hear don like linda linda and he starts running in there and they were both nurses in their careers so he was a career-long nurse so he knows what's going on he comes over and starts checking her pulse and stuff and he's like she doesn't have a pulse so we lay her back in the recliner chair he's trying to resuscitate her CPR right? and all that. Yeah, yeah. He's he's performing CPR on her. And all I know to do is pray. So I've got my hand on her and I'm praying, oh, Jesus, touch her, bring her back, Lord, you know, all this stuff, you know, and I'm in complete freaked out state. My wife is standing at her feet because we got her flipped up in the recliner chair laying back. She's dead as a doornail, white as a sheet. My wife is on the phone with 911. As soon as this happens, she calls 911. So he's trying to resuscitate her. I'm praying. She's on the phone with the paramedics. So we have a timeline of when she called. So we knew how long this lasted. This goes on for like over seven minutes. Anybody knows anything about brain death kicking in after five minutes of no oxygen? This one was not breathing, had no pulse, you know, five, six, seven minutes. So in the first part of it, I'm freaking out. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And the longer this goes along, I see the look of desperation. I'm on one side of the chair. Her husband Don's on the other side and he's trying to resuscitate her and it's not working. And, uh, I see him looking more and more desperate and, uh, I'm starting to completely freak out because I'm thinking, Oh my God, we just lost her. My wife just lost her spiritual mama. This poor man just lost his wife wife and i saw pain in his eyes this terrible pain in his eyes and uh 
so I'm, I'm freaked and I'm getting more and more panicked. My heart, you know, and I'm just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. No, no, no. And I'm trying to have faith, man, as I'm praying for it, but I don't have any, I'm getting less and less faith by the moment. And Dave, honest to God, I'm Lord. I'm saying this before you, if I did not stop, it felt like somebody took a bucket of hot oil and dumped it on my head, man. I felt it hit me and go down over me and washed over me. And I got hot, like I was on fire. And I was like, and I look at this guy and he looks at me, he stops performing CPR and he's got tears pouring down his face and he says, we've lost her. We've lost her. And my heart broke because I could see his heartbreak. And I feel this presence come over me, dude. It felt like liquid heat, love, electricity just came down from head to my toes. And bro, everything on the inside of me changed in that moment every ounce of doubt that I had, all of my anxiety, all of my fear, it was gone. I knew that I knew that I knew what was getting ready to happen. The whole atmosphere changed because a person showed up. The Lord himself showed up. His, his tangible presence showed up like fire. And you could not have convinced me that woman wasn't going to get up from that chair. It was, like I said, it was the gift of faith, bro. It was, it was so unorthodox and so unusual. And it was no longer my faith. It was his. It was like I was convinced. There was no convincing me otherwise. I don't care if somebody had thrown a bucket of gasoline on the woman and ignited her. You could not have convinced me that God wasn't going to raise that woman up. I knew it. And that was not my faith. It was not me because I was a hot, tragic mess a few seconds before that. Okay. So this presence just hits me and I've got this faith that literally I felt like I could have blown the roof off the place with just electricity. And uh, all of a sudden I couldn't stop it, Dave. I see this man crying. My wife is panicked talking to the paramedics and she's dead. Oh my God. You know, and, and my wife in these moments at the time could be a little unrefined. So some of her language wasn't quite, you know, so this is going on, right? This isn't like we've set the, the table at a church ceremony and set the whole atmosphere and environment. This was chaos. This woman is white, you know, he's crying. And I feel this joy come up inside of me and I could not stop myself. I start laughing. I'm like, I'm like deep belly laughing, like giggling. And I see the look in this guy's face. It was the I'm most, like, what are you doing? <laughs> it was the most inappropriate thing in that moment. Right. It was like, you don't laugh. This man is torn up with pain. I'm looking into his eyes and I'm seeing his heart getting ripped out. 
And I'm laughing because I'm like, you have no idea what's getting ready to happen. That's all I could think of. I'm like, you don't know. God's getting ready to get this woman up out of the chair. Like she's coming back. Like I knew it. I don't know how I knew it. I just knew it. So I start laughing. I have joy before it happened. I had joy. It was bizarre. So I'm like giggling. And my wife looks at me and goes, what the hell are you laughing at? Like, she's like, what are you doing? And they're both looking at me like, are you freaking insane? And it was, it was absolutely nuts. So I just start ignoring them. It's like I was being carried. I don't know how else to describe it. It was like the waves were hitting me and I was being pushed into shore, right? So I leaned down and I don't even know why I did it. I leaned down and I whispered in her ear. I said, Linda, I said, you're with him, aren't you? I said, you see him right now, don't you? And I'm giggling and I'm whispering in her ear. I'm like, I have no idea why I'm doing this. Wow. And I'm standing there and I just, it, it, it came out of me before I even realized what I was doing. I reached down and I put my hand on her chest right here, right around her collarbones. I put my hand on her chest and I said, Linda, wake up. She went, <laughs> and all the color came back into her face. And about 10 seconds later, the paramedics busted in the door and walking in the door and hauled her out of there. Whoa. Wow. And <laughs> Don, her husband, and Amy were both like pouring tears. They're like, oh my God. They're like they're both freaking out. And I'm laughing. I'm still laughing. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> like, I'm completely wow. freaked out, dude. Oh my gosh. Dude. Yeah. So this wow. happens. Wow. True story. Swear to God, this happened. Oh no, I believe it, man. That's and dude, just, it was like the joy of the Lord bubbled up inside of me. And I couldn't stop it because I knew he was getting ready to raise this woman from the dead. So me putting my hand on her chest and saying what I said will make a whole lot more sense when you hear her testimony of what happened in heaven. Okay. So later on, after the fact, she tells me, she tells the, the basic testimony of what happened in the hospital. But later on, after the fact, she, she tells me that when the Lord asked her if she would be willing to come back or, or you know, asked her about coming back, the Lord looked at her and said, reached out his hand to her, touched her and said, Linda, rise up. At the same second, I put my hand on her and said, Linda, wake up. So here on earth, I'm putting my hand on this woman's corpse and commanding her to wake up in the anointing and the power of God, purely his power and anointing. And at the same moment, Jesus' hand on the other side in heaven is touching this woman's spirit and telling her to rise up. Boom. She said it felt like a lightning bolt went through her chest, like she got shocked with the chargers. And that's what shocked her back into her body. Wow. Dude, that's a trip. That's that an absolute a... trip. Wow. Yeah, she told me later after the fact when she was more lucid, she said that the Lord had touched her on her chest 
and told her to rise up. And I said, you know that I put my hand on my on your chest and told you to rise up. I don't even know why I was doing it, bro. I just knew there was not an ounce of doubt in my anywhere in my being. And that's probably the only time there's ever been a moment where I didn't doubt a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was the gift of faith. That was God's faith taking over my literally washing over me like like anointing oil and just carrying me through that moment. You know, so that's why when I tell the story, uh, I oftentimes don't tell the specific details of it, you know, or, you know, I commanded her to rise up and all that because I don't want this story to be about me, man. Cause don't, don't mistake it. My hot mess could not no. have done anything in that situation. I didn't have great faith. You know, I was not believing anything but bad things were going to come out of that whole situation. I was caught up in the, the emotion of the moment and I'm, I'm in a full on panic before that happened. Right. So the, it felt like the Lord put me on like a glove. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It's like, I need an instrument to use. Get out of the way. <laughs> you know? That's really, and I was being carried by an instinct. I can't even describe, man. You know, just the wow. wind of the spirit moving me, man. And, and uh, I, I will never forget that moment as long as I live. And it, it, it helped, it changed the way that I see how we're to, uh, carry God's spirit, but also how we're supposed to uh, yield to him. It's not about us, man. It's not about our great faith and our great ability. It's literally the gifts are his. The abilities oh, yeah. are his. It's all his, man. The kingdom's his. We just get to benefit from it. You know, he, do, he does all the heavy lifting and we look like a hero. I don't know how that works. Out. <laughs> you know, like we come out smelling like roses, you know, though we got out of the pick and pin like the prodigal. It's- but see, I, I love hearing when I love hearing stories about how God uses people. He used you to help your friend come back, you know? Yeah. Man. And well, and hands and feet, man. You know, we got to be his hands and his feet. Absolutely, man. And, and that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. You had your hand on her chest. You told her to wake up at the same exact time that, that Jesus Lord, was telling her to rise up. Yeah, right. I mean, wow. That's... So uh, the the Bible talks about like being led by the Spirit. The Bible yeah. said, "As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God." Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, when we're at our best, we're being led by His Spirit. Oh yeah. You know, in that moment, I was being led by His Spirit. I was acting as a son of God in that moment. I was acting in my rightful position that was purchased by Jesus for me to walk in. That's what we're all, you know, we've been grafted into that. Right. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I was being led by his spirit and the power of God manifest. And literally there was this tandem unison, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Isn't that the prayer? Absolutely. In heaven, God was doing something. And on earth, I was, working in parallel with that i was i was co-laboring with him in the realm of the natural to perform what he wanted done in the spirit god raised that woman from the dead you know absolutely now you've got the uh you've got the audio of this did you want to go ahead and share that with us yeah so like i said the audio is like 10 or 11 minutes long so i'm going to share the first part of it where she talks about who she is and all that kind of stuff and then, uh, then I'll play a portion of the last part of it, uh, kind of her closing uh, statements. So let me pull this up real quick. 
All right. I don't know what you see right now, but all right. So take a close listen to this. My name is Linda Joe Dixon. I'm 59 years old. And when I was at home yesterday, John and Amy came to babysit me <laughs> while my husband went to Walmart for me. They hadn't been there but about 15 minutes and my husband came in and he was still in the kitchen putting groceries away. And all of a sudden, I was sitting in my chair and all of a sudden, I just had this awful feeling I've never felt before. I just, I felt things fading away from me and I couldn't stop it. And I died. Okay, so there's the part where she talked about what had happened in her chair and she died. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit just to get kind of her closing uh, statements about some of the things she saw. And out of the top of the wheel came a huge flame of fire. And in front of it, going down the precipice, was the largest waterfall I have ever seen going down to the ends of the earth. And I looked at God and he, he was of the figure of a man with broad shoulders enshrouded in white. And I looked at him, he said, do you want to stay? And I said, I'm not ready. I've got more souls to win for you. I've got work to do. I can't leave you. And I heard the words from God rise up. And then... The next thing I knew, the ambulance people were there trying to wake me up and talk to me. And I, I saw the glory of God, and I gave him all the honor and all the glory for these things that have happened. And if it will encourage anyone Increase your faith in God. God still raises people from the dead. He used Jonathan Johnson, Amy Johnson, his wife, and my husband, Donald Dixon. He used them as servants to perform this miracle. But the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son, raised me from the dead. So God bless you. What a sweet lady. Yeah, man. Wow. Is that crazy or what? That is, wow. That is I, just I didn't awesome. want to play the whole thing because it, you know, she kind of goes on. And this was literally 45 minutes after it happened. She was still in the, the trauma room. 
So she was laying flat on her back and it was funny because I walked in, I walked in, Amy and I did, she wanted to see us and she looked at me and she smiled and she goes, she said, well, brother, I think I owe you a, a big thank you. I said, you don't owe me anything. <laughs> I said, man, that had nothing to do with me. That was the glory of God. That's what that was. That was Jesus showing up and changing the outcome. You know, Jesus is oh, the yeah. resurrection and the life, right? So, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, just, but just to hear that fresh testimony, I mean, this wasn't something that was written in a book or whatever. This lady is still laying in the trauma unit in the hospital after she had coded and was gone for nearly eight minutes. We look back wow. at the phone call and everything. She was she was dead for almost eight minutes. Wow. Yeah. There's something that uh, I want to go ahead and, and, and offer to people here is, uh, you know, I think that that I'm supposed to say this. And that is, uh, you know, if you're going through something in your life and, you know, you're struggling with things you know, there is a way out and that way is Jesus Christ. And, and honestly, he, that's the only way. Absolutely, man. And, you know, God sent his only son to become sin, to become your sin, my sin, Jonathan's sin, everybody's sin. Carried up to the cross. It, he, he, he died on the cross for your sins. And I want to extend an invitation to anybody watching right now that uh, uh, to <laughs> I <laughs> uh, get my words right. Um, I want to extend an invitation to you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah, absolutely. Find a, a, a nice quiet place uh, mm -hmm. and you know, just, just get on your knees. This is, this is personal. It's between you and the Lord and ask Jesus to come into your life and into your heart yeah. and he will, yeah. and he will forgive you of your sins. He will show mercy. He will show you his grace and his love. Absolutely. And all you have to do is ask. It's a free gift, yeah. a gift that you know, lasts all eternity. You know, Dave, it's free, but it's going to cost you everything. You know, and yep. I think, you know, there, there are no people sneaking into heaven, right? No, no. You know, there's, there is no resurrection without a death. Absolutely. And, you know, Jesus died for you mm -hmm. in your place to make a way back to God, to restore you back to your rightful place in relationship with God, the place that sin and, and, and our own guilt has kept us from. Absolutely. We were locked out of that garden, so to speak. But Jesus Once, came and became sin so that we could have our lives transformed into righteousness. This hot mess that we are, we have all sinned. Uh, we've all fallen short of God's glory. None of us have reached the mark. Um, we were born in sin. We were born yes. into this world with, with guilt, with, with a stain of sin on us. Yes. But he came so graciously and made a way for us 
to get back into fellowship with God, to be restored to the family, mm -hmm. you know, to be uh, once again called sons and daughters of God. Absolutely. But it's going to require everything. It's you're not accepting Jesus like, you know, he's an option. Right. Uh, you're surrendering your life to him. You're laying down your life and saying, God, take my life and give me yours. You know, look at the mess that I've made of it. Look at it every time I failed. And you know what? He is standing there waiting with excited anticipation for this moment. He's been waiting for a long time, like the father in the prodigal story. He's been looking afar off, waiting for you to come up the road and he'll run to you. But mm -hmm. And he'll restore you and he'll he'll make all things new for you. I can promise you that. If you oh, just yeah. give him the opportunity, you say, Lord, I've messed things up. I've screwed it up. I've sinned. Uh, I've got so many sins. I don't even remember what they are. Right. <laughs> and, and can and I give them all to you? And yeah. can you give your life to me and just show up in my life and just show me who you are? And I promise you, if you challenge him in that way, he will come into your life. He will make you a brand new creature, unlike anything that's ever existed before, a new creation. You'll never be the same person again. You'll never have that guilt again, and you'll be recreated in your spirit. doesn't mean you're not going to mess up in the future. doesn't mean right. you're not going to fail. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. What it means is fundamentally at a spirit level, you have transformed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And I think Absolutely. Dave's very, very keen on this. This is a perfect yes. opportunity uh, for you. And some of you that, that have known the Lord and have, have slacked off or backslidden, man, get it right. You know, yeah, God's going absolutely. north and you're going south, man, go north, repent. And it doesn't and, and matter. From it. Go ahead, and Dave. it doesn't matter. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you've done in life. It doesn't matter, you know, what your background is. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, things that you've gone through in life, God will forgive all of it. Oh yeah. Like I said, all you have to do is ask. He is That's good it. like that. Because, you know, uh, for instance, okay, with two weeks before I gave my life to Christ, I was partying all the time. I was sleeping around with all these different women. I was uh, what, what's called a weekend warrior. I was getting drunk and high every weekend. And the Lord took all of that away from me because I wanted him to. I didn't want to live like that anymore. I realized that I had a void in my life that could only be filled through Christ. And that's what he did. He filled that void. And so also, I want to let you guys know, if you have right now or recently given your life to Christ, let me or John know. I have new believer Bibles and I would like yeah, to man, send uh, yes and I would like to send you one because God's word and reading it every day is very vital to a Christian's uh, spiritual growth mm -hmm. and it's very vital to your relationship with God. Yeah. So uh, I want to extend that to you guys. Again, let me or Jonathan know. Share your testimony with us. We would love to yeah, hear. Yeah, we'd love to hear hear back Absolutely. from you guys. You know, and if you uh, if any of you need any prayer for anything, put it in the comments. I'm sure there's a lot of praying people that'll be looking at those comments, us included, and we will lift you up for the Lord, man. And that's that's a big thing when you got people on your team. 
you know, going to bat for you and, and crying out to the Lord on your behalf. God loves that sort of thing. You know, he loves us to be family and stick together and have each other's back. So, you know, we, we promise that if you put a request on there, we will personally pray over it. And I'm sure, you know, countless other people will see it and pray over it too. And, uh, but just be encouraged, man. God is good and he's kind and he's merciful. He's not the mean ogre in the sky uh, that wants to crush you. Now he wants, he wants to give you life and a more abundant life and happiness and a joy. And I, I know Dave and I both can testify. Uh, I have met super famous people. I've been on stages in front of countless thousands of people. I've made albums. I've traveled. I've done things that, you know, that I'm so blessed to be able to do, but the absolute, I, I've been a father to wonderful children that have made me extremely proud. Uh, but the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life is to surrender my entire life to Jesus because I realized my life was worthless, but his life is everything. And if he could rebirth me in that life and what he has, man, he is, he's literally turned my life into something that I could have never expected that, you know, what could have been a tragedy uh, has become a, a story with so many blessings in it. And I know Dave feels exactly the same way. Not, not perfect. You know, as long as we're still in this earth suit we're wearing, we're not going to be perfect and we're not going to do it perfectly, but man, he is so perfect in his love and his grace towards us and his kindness towards us. So just be encouraged, man. God is not out to get you. Uh, he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. And uh, he just wants, uh, he wants you to know him and he wants to know you. And and that's something when you go to the Lord and you make that commitment to Christ and you do surrender to God, you know, ask him to teach you to know him, but also to, to bring you into a place in your life where he knows you. Cause there's many that they're going to say, Lord, Lord on that day. And he doesn't know them. That that's the great pursuit. He is the prize. He's the treasure. He he's to be sought after and he's worth it, man. He is worth knowing and be oh, known yeah. by, you know? So Absolutely. I encourage you just to include that as part of your prayer to the Lord, your, your uh, cry out to God. You know, I want to be known by you. I, when I stand before you someday, when I cross, you know, that barrier from, from this life into that life, I want you to know who I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, thank you so much for watching. John and I appreciate yes. it. This has been and, fun. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah, I mean, it was a little heavier than maybe I expected, you know, <laughs> at times. But, you know, it's not always going to be this way. But I really think that the Lord had a purpose, uh, you know, in this this episode, man. And, and hopefully uh, it increases your faith. It gives you hope, man, to, to cry out to God, to see the greater things and and man, to see this this word that is living and powerful come to life in your life, and uh, and and start showing up and changing, changing everybody's options, man. Because when the word of God shows up, and the presence of God shows up in a situation, everyone's options change, right? Absolutely. So be blessed. We love you. God bless all of you. And thanks so much for hanging with us for this time. And hopefully we'll do it again soon. And uh, send us some uh, some ideas for topics that you guys want to hear about. Absolutely. God bless you right, guys. God, God bless guys.